Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Anthropological Real Life Applications for Very Anthropological Theories. <gasps> My name is David Moore. I am a Chicago based bartender, founder of Spill, and it is raining, it is pouring and the Supreme Court will be the death of us all. Whoa. Um, hate to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> hate to talk about it, but it's here and it's happening. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Kasira Hill. I am your local Chicago graphic designer, anthropologist. And um, although, although we could talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. Take the time to process, everybody. <laughs> this episode is not about that. It is about food porn. We're going to try to have some fun today and talk about what we see in our social media, our marketing materials, magazines, and more. But I think it's important that before we dive into the deep end, that Kasira breaks it down for us. So Kasira, I'm going to pass the baton to you. I feel like one of the first things that you learn in fun anthropology classes, I can't say like Anthropology 101, but... One of the first things that you learn is how the brain is connected to systems of pleasure and enjoyment and how that kind of influences the things that we look out for. I think um, common usage of some of those introductory connections between um, emotion, brain, physical, and what we yearn for um, are often referenced to like the lizard brain, like the lizard brain in me wants sugar or the lizard brain, you know, fight or flight. These are really common usages and apply applications for things like this. But one of the first ones I'm thinking of is the connection between pleasure and your brain system, what things trigger um, endorphins and dopamine. And I think that a lot of us know that sugar, really tasty foods, um, and sex kind of go hand in hand. Some of the similar things that we experience um, going off in our brain or areas of our brain activated are activated at the same time when we're engaging with sexual pleasure and when we're having a really delicious meal. So if we look at kind of evolutionarily speaking, why these two things would be linked, there is an intrinsic connection between reproduction and longevity of our life and consuming foods, consuming foods that give us fat and proteins, some of which have sugar content, you know, all of that is linked into the preservation of not only our lives, but for our offspring in people that have uteruses. Usually when you're malnourished or you're not getting enough vitamins, uh, your period or your, your system will kind of stall and stop because you know your body is telling you that you cannot reproduce, you cannot sustain growing another life. So there's something there. But if you look at the broad spectrum of how we apply this, you know, we're in a day and age where we can have as much sex hypothetically as we want, we can eat whatever foods hypothetically that we want, at least in the Western world, um, in certain areas with our access to groceries and food supply, we have a lot of access to that. So I feel like when we have a conversation about food porn, it really builds on the foundation that these things are linked in our brains with pleasure. And sometimes, you know, especially, you know, industrial consumerism, we want to be marketed things that look good, that are sexy, that taste good, 
kind of send off those similar dopamine triggers in our brain, those endorphins, we start salivating. Um, this is all in an effort to sustain ourselves and evolutionarily speaking, right, to reproduce and be able to sustain the next life moving forward. So I think that on an evolutionary tract, our interest in food porn and the success of marketing food is going to be tied to good feelings towards aspirations, towards um, that certain type of pleasure that we get from biting into a really juicy, delicious burger or a delicious cake. Or um, sometimes we see a sexy person holding that cake and shoving it into their face. And we're like, I don't know what about this is turning me on, but it is. And I want the cake. And I, you know, might also want that person. (laughs) But that's kind of where my brain sits. I think it's also really funny that Some of these things are also really observed in other intellectual creatures, other smart creatures like chimps, apes, dolphins, other animals that engage in sex for pleasure, and other animals that have access to an abundance of food. You'll see these things kind of dynamically um, in the way that they eat their food, when they eat it, how much they eat, whether it's for necessity and and sustenance or whether it's for pleasure um, and enjoyment. So that's where my head at. Let's shift gears and get into a little kiki. Anthro, schmanthro, let's get into it. So were you talking about porn or food porn? Because I think I did not prepare for the correct episode today. No, I think um, I was talking about explicit porn. Awesome. So back to Pornhub.com, which is our sponsor today. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Thank you, Pornhub. <laughs> Okay, the reason we wanted to talk about this is because we're talking about how we digest things and sort of what attracts us within social media, magazines, any kind of media where we're sucked into it and kind of seduced into what it is. And for me, the way that I feel like I can relate is sort of this pivot I took in my social media where I was much more interested in being provocative with what I was posting and having more fun and maybe just expressing my queerness more through it. Mm. And that to me came with like a little bit more flamboyancy and some more colors. And I feel like it's not as uh, maybe unique and lavish as a lot of like our guest today's photography, but it's my own personal expression within it. And it's kind of like as far as I right now feel comfortable going with it, but I feel like being provocative with photography and kind of how we are expressing our work and hospitality is fun and exciting. And it is, I don't know. I think there's a lot to it. Yeah. I think, I think that when we have a conversation, what kind of brought me to the conversation of food porn and like kind of digesting that was really rooted in like what we choose to buy and when we choose to buy it. Mm. But then also with the introduction of, social media and beverage people leaning into their own personal branding or their own kind of vision. And that might manifest in a variety of photo shoots that might manifest in the way that they shoot what they create. If they're shooting cocktails or if they're shooting food. And, and I think specifically because we're talking about food porn as, as a whole, it, it brings me to like when and where we buy and also the artistic decisions that we make there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Well, I'm going to take over then because (laughs) I think I'm trying to think of like specific moments where we've seen campaigns or photography or just different expressions within that medium that were like really effective to us. And it's kind of wild to think that even in this industry where we know the brands, we know like 
I've drank Campari a hundred times, but there was something about that like red hand, red glove campaign that they mm. did that seduced me into it even more. I was like, not only do I drink Campari, I am uh, their number one fan <laughs> and I'm going to buy even more and I don't need to, but I'm going to. So I feel like there are moments where these campaigns are very successful. I feel like coffee campaigns can do that really well where it's like, oh, that coffee just looks somehow more steamy and sexy and delicious yeah. than ever. And Yeah, burgers. You know what I mean? Burgers. It's interesting like, to make a giant patty of meat look sexy, mm. but something about the juices. Well, <laughs> well you know what? Well, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> something about the juices dripping, something about like, even yeah. the hypersexualization of like feminine bodies or male bodies, um, you know, feminine or masculine bodies uh, associated with the food that we want to buy or yeah. how things are marketed. Um, I think dripping things, it's very dripping. interesting to kind of have that association. Whenever there's something that's like juicy and overwhelming yeah. and illustrious and opulent, all of those kind of things come through when we get to see glistening or sparkling. Yes. And I think that that's also like a very nitty gritty random way, random thing. But when things are glistening, yeah. it's like, it's fucking, it's obviously lube. Oh. Is it not? It always is. It's juices. Yeah. What do we think of ju excretion? <laughs> Okay. That terrible word. I love this episode. This is <laughs> Moisture. Although my parents won't listen to this episode. I'm kidding. They won't listen to this entire podcast because they can't <laughs> make the time. I feel like within this conversation somewhere where you and I actually have even experimented with this was our own spill photo shoot. Mm -hmm. And I think what's funny to me is like our spill website, I think is pretty straightforward. It's direct. I don't think it has a ton of flamboyancy on it. Like the color palettes, generally speaking, like, forest green and peach tones and right so, and there's not a huge amount of photography that focuses around like us us right because right? it's not really about us right but we have this as photo shoot <laughs> as much as we are the literal people behind the thing right. um yeah it doesn't it doesn't present a lot of us so there was interesting kind of in that creative process coming up with this bill photo shoot yeah. and um deciding what kind of vibe we wanted to evoke and yeah. and even beyond you know food porn now we're talking about what it means to communicate through like visual representation yeah. giving feelings of or emoting certain feelings in photography or you know digital content whatever um that lend to our flamboyancy or lend to did you just point at me when you said flamboyancy i need to leave you did <laughs> Folks, that was a hate crime. You heard it here first. I was like, flamboyancy, <laughs> like flamboyancy. and beauty. Um, um, yeah, but that's kind of how we we wanted to uh, evoke or kind of give a little bit of identity to yeah. our... And I think identity is a really important part in this conversation, too, is like, yes, things are delicious and food porn adjacent, and we know what that is, but in creating that identity, it takes mm. very conscious decisions to promote that and make yeah. that what did you feel like um you've done whether it be the spill photo shoot or yeah. other projects and campaigns that you've worked yeah. on where you were thinking you were thoughtfully kind of expressing or coming with a vision and then executing that yeah i remember the i think it was it would have been last june but for pride month perrier did a campaign with different bartenders and they wanted it to be a pride campaign and they were specifically reaching out to queer bartenders. Um, so my first question was like, how did you know I was gay? Number one. Uh, number two, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. And uh, number three, I was like, how far can we go? I mean, that really was what I asked. I was like, you're going to repost these photos. Like, 
I want to make sure it's sort of fitting within your values as a company, but like how comfortable you are you with whatever I do? And they're like, we want sexy, fun, cool photography. We're not going to stop you. So I got our friend Nikki Allen to come over and mm-hmm. take photos for me because I was like, honestly, this will be fun for me to have too and for me to post and also kind of almost have like a re-coming out of who I am as a bartender and what I want to be known as. And for me, I think I just want to be known as somebody who takes the work seriously, but not themselves too seriously. Yeah. Even if that's not the truth, that is what I'm trying to put out into the world and like mm-hmm. convince myself of. And so we took photos of like me pouring it on myself and wearing a rainbow tank top and sitting on top of the counter with my legs open with like the drink right in front of me. And it was evocative it was meant to feel sexy and cool um Mm -hmm. and i got a lot of followers that day not from bartenders but (laughs) i made new friends that day so like it was evocative partly to be evocative but also because it was selling the story of like my my lens of what queerness and bartending can look like or can feel like and that's what it does make me feel like like a badass that sits on a countertop yeah i mean something that we haven't said yet is sex sells you know, so yeah. why wouldn't it sell food? Why wouldn't it sell beverage? And food and beverage are especially like we've had conversations about food and beverage that had to do with like it's treating yourself or you get to experience new flavors yeah. or and all of that is very true at the core. But if you're marketing and um, you know that sex sells like it's kind of a no brainer to be like, yeah. how do we make food sexy? How do we make this burger sexy? How do we sell this beverage and make it look like, um, yes, a moment of indulgence. Mm. And that moment of indulgence has to do with desire and you should desire purchasing this thing. Right. right? How do we make anthropological sexy and sell it? I'm going to take my top off. (laughs) (laughs) On a podcast. (laughs) All right. My final thought on this is essentially that to do it to be provocative. I don't have a problem with either. I think do what you want, experiment with different types of photography and sort of selling what you are doing, whether it's just you as a brand or the work that you're taking photographs of and like try new things as long as it's not offensive to the general masses, like just go for it and see where it takes you. And I think that you're gonna take it over because our next guest definitely does all of those things. All right, everyone, welcome. We're switching gears. We're chatting with, we're moving on. Um, welcome, No Effects. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Thanks for joining us. I want to give some space for you to intro yourself, talk about the work that you do um, for the folks that need to know more. Great. Um, well, my name is Noah, and I'm a photographer and director. I work in Brooklyn, New York. I mostly work in an advertising space, but The place where I started and the place where I've stayed is really food, beverage, but more importantly, hospitality. So I think sometimes people kind of forget to bring in that hospitality aspect to food and dining, that it doesn't just happen by yourself. It doesn't just happen at home. It happens in between all of us. So a big thing that's important to me is highlighting that I work in the hospitality space. And I started this when I was 17, and now I am 47, so this is 30 years. Word. Well, welcome. Today we're talking about food porn. We've delved into some context um, in our earlier sections, and um, I want to shift gears and kind of talk about food as a mode of communication. So a lot of anthropologists talk about rituals and communication and 
me, not unlike the rest of them, have talked about it on this podcast a lot. Rituals and communication pretty much defines us as humans. Rituals like birthdays, christenings, uh, a watch party for the season finale of The Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, all, <laughs> all of which food is kind of at the center of. Um, which, you know, for anthro dorks like me means food is communication. So food communicates context whipped cream isn't inherently sexy but uh how we use it can be right hot dogs um may look like deformed dicks but we wouldn't see that phallicness of it all (laughs) context is everything we wouldn't see that yeah that context is everything um if we didn't stage it in a certain way then who knows right so I'm curious with you joining us, Noah, um, when approaching your work specifically in food and beverage photography and direction, what are some considerations or steps you take to clearly communicate your vision? This is such a good question because I think if, um, if I do have a unique voice, and I hope that I do, I think that that comes from travel because for a very long time, I worked as a travel photographer. So I've had the very good fortune of visiting over 50 countries. So I think what I, and what you're going to do in those countries is you're going to sleep, you're going to eat, and you might get drunk, but we'll see. (laughs) And I really had the opportunity to not just, you know, travel and see how other people live and see what other cultures of the world, you know, how how they interact with each other, but really how they react around food. Because that was kind of the thing you were, you know, if you, we're in a foreign country and you're working, work was work, but once you were eating, now you're really in the culture. So I think something consciously and unconsciously that I consider when I'm working is like a question I would ask myself, what is the universality of this? Is this something that could appeal to everyone? If I'm doing a joke, if, if there's some kind of humor element to what I'm doing, I will say to myself, yeah, this might just be too Western, let's say, like it's not going to really translate, but I do think there's some jokes with food that are universal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's things that, there are things that people love universally. So that's kind of, I think universality is something that I think about a lot when I first start. That would be the first strike. And Mm -hmm. porn is universal. Mm -hmm. Um, No, that's not the transition. I I just (laughs) just wanted to say it. Um, I want to talk about a little bit like, we talk about food porn, it sort of sounds funny, but there's a reality to it, like the sex appeal of food and how we, especially how you photograph it. And there is a, um, there's a queerness to it sometimes. There is, and quite frankly, like a lot of the times I feel like there is. Yes. Um, I feel like it's trying to capture the sense of opulence and exaggeration and delicacy, kind of all these elements that are mouthwatering for food or beverage or something that makes you crave it because at the end of the day, it's still like a, a product we're trying to put out there. Um, what to you make something food porn? It's really something, I mean, you always, you, I, I think you made a really good point too, which is that, you know, human sexuality is universal across planet earth. And, you know, of course it differs from place yeah. to place, mm-hmm. but it's the kind of, you know, it's the birth, sex, death, thing that we all kind of experience and <laughs> might even e- eating more than experience we're just trapped in but fair yeah whether you like it or not <laughs> i think it's one of those things where you know e- eating in public is socially acceptable and having sex in public is not socially <laughs> acceptable almost anywhere but it is funny I-, I think it's a human condition i think it's a human trait that we sexualize a lot of things and 
we kind of graft our sexuality onto almost anything. And like, you know, if you've ever spent time with teenagers, everything is a dick joke. Mm-hmm. Everything is a dick joke. So it really is. <laughs> you realize how it's it just goes on and on like that, that it's very normal and, and natural for us to kind of sexualize almost anything that we do. And, you know, if our our drive and our need to have sex is how we live forever, procreate and survive, kind of grafting that sexuality onto everything is how we, how would you say, like uh, ensure our immortality. Mm-hmm. So I think the Ooh. reason why food porn is so remarkable is that food is probably one of the most ephemeral things that we do. It's a very short time that we're going to be eating something, but you know, now that we live in a world where you're going to immortalize it with a camera, you're really going to probably sexualize it because you're going to merge those two things. Mm-hmm. It's the immortality of photography and the immortality of reproduction. And when you bring those two things together, it's like a double whammy. So I think it's 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 something that it makes perfect sense to me that that's something that humans would love to do. You know what I mean? I love how philosophical you just got there. <laughs> like... I know, I can tell that. I was like, the anthropology of this is yes. great. And Kasira's like reeling over here. It's great. I'm curious from the, from like the design perspective of photography, what specific choices you make from like a lighting or prop or just direction standpoint when you are trying to emote that the food is sexy or the food is desirable. What are some things that you kind of have as go to? Straight up, like there's things that really influence me, like a lot of music influences me, a lot of fashion, like 60s, 70s, 80s. And then also looking at pornography from that era. When you're making pornography, it's it's getting, get out. You know, you've got to get this as fast yeah. as you can and move on to the next thing. So pornography really plays with tropes in the sense of, you know, it's this this angle, never this angle, always this framing, never that framing. So when you can kind of play on those tropes or stereotypes or classic forms, you're already in the arena mentally with your viewer of, you know, it's it's a position, it's an idea, it's a shape that's pleasing. It's like, you know, but then also what is really good about that is when you can flip the script. So you, you may have things perfectly symmetrical in the center and then you move it to the right a little bit or you have it curve this way. And it's sometimes it's the adhere a coloring inside the lines and other times the excitement comes from coloring outside the lines but it, it, it really is playing on those either adhering to or you know rebelling against those kind of tropes and those kind of classic forms that we're used to with fashion art music media pornography i think what's really interesting is when you look back and we talked a little bit about jello previously <laughs> but when we look back at um marketing campaigns for food really early on and i'm talking you know not super duper early on not 1800s but the 1950s specifically 1940s and um kind of this post-war era during the war kind of era convenience of food but also this necessity for opulence especially post-war i think the marketing campaigns for food really early on and specifically for jello kind of pushed an opulence and a delectability and a deliciousness and phantasmicness of Jello into the into the arena, which is what I feel like made Jello really successful. Um, was these ridiculous colors, 
these like kind of boob looking shapes, like colors all over the place, kind of looking like some sex toys going on right now. I felt like the success of marketing with Jell-O was that it was so sexy and that it was desirable and that it was ridiculously colored and that it was squishy and you had these ridiculous salads going on and these kind of, you know, out to serve, you know, moments. And that's what made it really successful. And I feel like that could have even been marked as the moment where we really got to see kind of maybe the first instance of food porn was the desirability of a product, you know, whether it be drawn by Norman Rockwell or not, (laughs) uh, the desirability of a product visually on the page with the ingredients. And I know you're someone that has aided in the visual representation of food in cookbooks. Yes. And kind of has brought some of that success, whether it be marked, you know, from this moment or what have you. I'm curious to hear your influences, um, from past era of food marketing, specifically the 70s. I feel like you've got a lot of that rolled into your work. I'm curious to hear where some of these influences are coming from because I'm looking at moments like Jell-O in the 1950s and marketing campaigns of general foods as being the moment where we really got to see food shown as sexy. And I feel like even more so now with the resurgence of vintage and retro kind of imagery, how does that play into your work? Well, it's you're really pinpointing a very like almost like a keystone moment in, as far as visual culture, because, you know, when you're looking at things before and what would come before that would be like time life and before the Rockwells and those kind of 1950s illustrations. Mm-hmm. Those were very aspirational and they showed, you know, what you what your home might look like and what your life could look like. But they were still kind of, you know, held to planet Earth. And then when you get into Jello. One, space age, you know, you're, you're dealing with the space age and technology and the whole excitement of that. Yeah. And this is certainly a way that you can bring it home. But specifically the Jell-O ads that you're referring to, that brings us into the realm of fantasy and mm-hmm. abstraction. And then also dealing with how like, you know, it's always like who's driving the car, culture or people. It's like, is this something that people want to see? Or is this something that like a small amount of artists is feeding to people? It's kind of a two-way street in this particular case because people want to be part of that space age and they want to bring that space age home. But also what's going on in art, in media is like, you know, abstract jazz, abstract painting. And now we start mm-hmm. to get into abstract advertising. So the jello isn't necessarily shown at home. The jello is shown as like a form or a shape or in conjunction with a dancer. So now you've really melded food and fantasy. And then Mm -hmm. when you start talking about fantasy, it's the same thing. Like, you know, uh, not all fantasies are (laughs) non-erotic. Some (laughs) fantasies are erotic and, you know, everyone's going to see what they want to see. And and also I think with Jell-O, Jell-O has, you know, like um, a very human, it's anthropomorphic. It has that very human kind of shape, feel and look to it. So I think... You know, this is something that I think about a lot. I also think you, you made a really good point too about the 50s to the 70s. That's when that fantasy kind of does a complete curve and culminates in that like postmodernism of the 80s where it's like everything all together happening at the same time. And that fantasy mm-hmm. gets really realized in the 70s with the music, the star filter and the culmination of the sexual revolution, the sexual revolution of the 60s is alive, well, and an adult in the 70s. So that's Mm kind of, that's where it it works, lives for me. 
I feel like this idea of fantasy is what so many people love about drag queens and like drag queen culture is that it is the epitome of like the fantasy. It is a almost unrealistic expectation of like this idea of what a woman is or a female impersonator. And obviously there's different types of drag, but I feel like seeing like a lot of drag queens in your photography too is sort of making you realize that that's not necessarily a, this face jello reference, but that is a fantasy. It is this trans, sure. like, it's just transporting you to this experience that is not what eating at home is normally like, which I think is a nice kind of full circle thing. A postmodern human too, like a very postmodern existence, a very postmodern, you know, realization of what a human being could be. But then at the same time, the idealized fantasy of what a woman might be or what a person might be. So yeah, I mean, right. I'm so glad that you said that because I, I love incorporating drag into my work so much and it's 50-50. Some people get it. Some people are confused. But, And I think the moments when my work is queer is when I really incorporate camp. So camp is another thing yeah. that I'm, mm. I think really, you know, camp is another exaggerated form of expression that I think fits right into this whole soup that we're discussing. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't for camp, mm. you know, I I wouldn't live. I don't think you would live. I think David would be on the floor deceased um already so <clears throat> gotta give it for the camp and the camp photography thank you for speaking yeah. for me i agree and the camp the campy photography i mean even specifically for for video direction and the video direction that i see from you sure um is very high thank you camp in some instances and some of those instances <laughs> are the gayest shit i've ever seen and i need it everybody needs yes it. Appart. It is. <laughs> I literally was like, if I write a cocktail book, like I kind of know who I want to reach out to. Yeah. That is the vibe that I go for. I want to make exactly. cocktail porn. It's been it, it's been a really long road of of you know really promising to myself to be myself to make the things that I want to see in the world. And I'm sure you you y'all know what a hard road that that is to travel and to wake up every day and say you know, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to make the things that I want to see. And I'm going to make the things that don't exist in the world rather than keep making the things that exist. So all that you're really seeing is me living up to a promise to myself to say, this is the gay shit that I want to see. So I'm going to make this gay shit. And after 30 years, I think some other people are <laughs> along for the party. So that's, <laughs> it worked out okay. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it looks like we didn't actually get a definition of food porn from you, so that's the end of the interview. Um, let's cut it here. <laughs> no, we did, we did. Um, get, I, I want to lean into the theoretical. I want to lean into the, the, the philosophical with you, but let's wrap it here. Um, thank you, Noah, so much for joining us. It's been what a pleasure. Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. One of my favorite things about this subject is that you and I both have our own individual experiences with food porn. Um, from my perspective, it's coming from like just finding a way to make social media work for me. And also just sort of learning, as I said earlier, my own voice and like what type of photography I want to do, even how I caption things and like being provocative without it being too, um, not trying too hard. And so I feel like one of the things- <laughs> Not trying that, too hard. <laughs> not trying too hard. But one of the things I wish that we maybe can discuss more in a future episode or kind of extrapolate on is how some companies will take the idea of food porn as like a one month of a year thing. 
Um, we're obviously recording this episode during Pride Month, so for me, it's it's interesting to see like Burger King campaigns and Postmates and all of these other like typically like really just standard food photography companies take on like really provocative and very queer imagery and say I like, am no, smirking we've... over here with this Burger King campaign. <laughs> the Burger King campaign. I, am I the only one that was not offended? I was like, I was like, no, 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 no. I get it, but so this is it. Just I, reminds me of like love, a meme moment. Burger King was like, let's get provocative with tops and tops and bottoms and bottoms, bottoms and bottoms, mm. which is exactly how I get provocative. So I totally get you the get it. approach. <laughs> What about you? What do you wish that maybe we could like discuss more in a future conversation about this? I think if I had to get really specific, I think that I want to have more conversations that look at how um, art is doing and and what art and marketing um, have relationships with. Because I think in this day and age, you know, we touched a little bit on social media. We touched a little bit on Instagram and and platforms that we share photos on. I think that um, with so much media coming out, I want to have a larger conversation or more conversations about how marketing and art are going hand in hand um, because people want things to feel relatable and special um, and quite frankly, like incredibly artistic with campaigns, but also um, marketing has to do its job in telling us what to do. So these th- two, these two things have to meld with a conversation of representing um, art and then also marketing coming in and talking about what, um what moves people to buy products period yeah all right everyone thank you for joining us for another episode of anthropological today we talked about food porn whipped cream photography hot dogs and tops on tops and buns on buns my name is kasira hill and i'm david moore thank you so much see you in the next one